0: Welcome to episode number 10 of the VD Clinic. Um, I'm your host Vanessa and now with me <laughs> is my new co-host Darren. Say hey. hello
1: Darren. Hello everybody.
0: Yeah I, I'm excited today. I think we're gonna have some uh, different things going on even though I mean you've been on here before but um, yeah
1: i Do I'm you know excited. who hasn't been on here before?
0: Exactly. Our guest for today, Jeffrey X. Martin. Yay!
2: (laughs) (laughs) You say that now. Hi!
3: (laughs) Very pleased to be here. I, you know, I I, I was happy to show up for Fascist February. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. Yes, this is Fascist February, and uh, today we're going to be covering the movie Brazil and the book... Uh, the Sinclair Lewis book, It Can't Happen Here. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and in
1: Definitely. honor of fascists, I have my snarling pitbull barking uh, <laughs> in the distance.
0: That's only right. Seems only fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. How is everybody? Darren, oh, how are you
1: doing? I am doing really well. It's been a pretty chill day. And, um... It's raining, so I don't have to pretend like I want to go outside right now.
0: Yeah. Raining here, too, in New York. So it's a... But, yeah. I'm glad I got out of my... I had had to do my errand this morning and going to election training. (laughs) Actually, it was... Now that we're speaking about fascists, I got to say, I went to the Board of Elections this morning. They're debriefing because I'm one of the poll site coordinators, and wow. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, some some suspicious things in our uh, democracy?
0: No. republic,
1: I, I guess? Technically?
0: Actually, uh, actually, it wasn't too bad, I have to say. Um, considering, I mean, we're doing pretty good at uh, the borough of Brooklyn, We didn't have that, I mean, we were pretty, like, numbers are down as far as, like, measures of, um, like, invalid ballots and that kind of thing. So as far as when people say, those votes don't count, you know, oh, you're going to do it this way? My vote's not going to count. It's bullshit. Hmm. They're only a small number out of the, like, hundreds of thousands of ballots that were cast if not you know, whatever million in Brooklyn alone, and only like twelve hundred were invalid, that's not bad.
1: I was led to believe that voter fraud was rampant in our country, and people are bust in uh, illegal immigrants from Mexico are busted in from Canada to Vermont. That's not true, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, not happening.
1: The overground and, railroad getting people yeah, back into and, America.
0: And the thing about the votes, those 1,200 votes that didn't count, the vast majority of those were because people weren't voting at the right place. Like they went to the wrong poll site. Oh. And that's something simple.
1: See, you know. Now,
3: I heard that every Democratic vote was actually from a dead person.
1: True. Also true. Paid for by George Soros. Yes. Allegedly. We'll throw that in every once in a while.
0: Well, interesting that you should say that about the, the, um, dead person voting when, um, I, I, this particular poll site that I work is one of the few, um, Republican and, uh, districts in Brooklyn and in New York city entirely. And, um, I worked there like during the 2016 election which was horrific with some of the stuff I said I heard I almost had to have police eject someone because this woman this orthodox Jewish woman was getting crazy and screaming about me at me about voter fraud (laughs) yeah and and I for this in this election we had poll watchers that came in and were there the almost the entire day and I would have almost had to have the cops throw them out because they were trying to interfere. Like, it was, and, like, talk to the voters are not supposed to interact, you know. So, and they, but the, the poll watchers kept saying, well, you know those dead people are going to come vote. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> are they're going to come in from, or I heard about this one case. This guy, he's, he's a student from Montreal, and he's going to come to this district and go vote. This he is announced a, this, it
1: on Facebook.
0: Yeah, it was this crazy conspiracy type thing that I heard all day, and I heard it during the first time I heard it. Really, was the 2016 election, but this this last time because it was the poll watchers too. It was just bananas. Some of the accusations that were being made, you know, and you're like, really? Do you you don't understand? Like, there are measures put in place so that doesn't happen. Like, it's, and again, like I said, once, you know, like the affidavits and things like that, that people, the special ballots that people fill out, those go to headquarters. They get tossed if someone's even, like, in this case, Brooklyn borough resident, you're just in the wrong vote, wrong poll site, you -hmm. know? So you can't do that. Like there are all these different things. I don't know. <laughs> I had to hear about that this morning. Anyway, sorry. I derailed that a little bit. Got into, got into some of our movie and book conversation already, but
1: <laughs> Hey, we'll pepper it in until we, we go all all about it. But you brought it back. You yeah. brought it back to how are you doing, Jeffrey Martin? I'm fine. Yes.
4: All right. I mean, after that.
1: <laughs> <Elaborate>. <laughs> are you registered to vote in the proper district? I'm sure um, you are.
3: I, if you vote. I, I am currently. I'm going to have to change that when I move here in a couple of months. But that is one of the first things on our list of things to do so that we can not contribute to these voting booth urban legends that Vanessa's talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Dead it's, people voting yeah. in the wrong districts.
3: But I will be registering under the name Jimmy Hoffa, so
1: ah,
0: good. We'll
3: see how that turns out.
1: <laughs> Maybe you can have a uh, Geraldo help you move.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? He'd pick the room where there's nothing in it. So <laughs> that'd be fine.
1: Yeah. Then take a half-nude selfie and post it to the Fox News op-eds
3: 78 years old look at my
1: guns (laughs) oh that that is a frightening image but do you know what else is a frightening image
0: well what's a frightening image
1: terry gilliams brazil that is
0: absolutely true
1: yeah I guess uh, we should probably, before we go any further. That is the weirdest
3: segues I've <laughs> ever heard in my life, Darren. Holy beep.
0: Well, you know what? Why don't we uh, take a break and then we'll come back and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that frightening image. <laughs> Maybe you'll think of a better segue then.
1: <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I'll try. I'll fill out the right, yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necro... Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history, all yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did be a rough you one. watch this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psions.
0: Okay, and we're back with brazil so tell us about brazil uh, darren
1: (laughs) i filled out the proper paperwork and uh, requisitioned a better segue um (laughs) 1985's brazil by terry gilliam wow the the imdb summary is pretty short and pretty sweet it says a bureaucrat in a retro future world tries to correct an administrative error and becomes an enemy of the state. Um, as written and directed by Terry Gilliam. What else of note should I say at the beginning of?
0: Actually, I want to point out that Tom Stoppard was one of the co-writers of the screenplay. And he wrote Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead.
1: Oh. And
0: you totally see some of the same themes in this. Yeah
1: yeah that. that made my little
0: like drama nerd girl heart smile <laughs> <laughs> i had forgotten that when i reach until i rewatch it this time
1: um but yeah it's anyway go it's, ahead well <laughs> like, um know. you know top build cast i mean not in any particular order um you see a lot of pythons but where is the main guy he's not even
0: jonathan price
1: oh, jonathan price is sam lowry Robert De Niro as Harry Tuttle, the most badass ninja HVAC man in the world. <laughs> um, I mean, there's Ian Holm, Bob Hoskins, Michael Palin. Uh, who else? I mean, we.
0: Catherine Hellman.
1: Catherine Hellman, Mona. It, was, like, it took me forever to realize that she was in other stuff, and then I realized she's in almost every Terry Gilliam movie I've ever seen. Or at least two. I don't want to say all of them. At least two.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she was also on Time Bandits.
1: Yep. Which I watched this week just (laughs) because I've got a lot of his movies. So I watched Jabberwocky and Time Bandits and Fear and Loathing and Brazil. I will hand it off to you, Vanessa, because I think this (laughs) was your... Brainchild of an idea for a show, so you probably could have picked anything. To well, there pair- were a
0: lot. Of, I had, I had, I don't know. Last year, after forty-five was elected president, I can't say I. I've, I've told you before. I can't say the title and the last name together. They ju- no, it's an, <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. I cannot do it, and um, I had heard different people of my like activist friends of mine, whatever things bring up the book the Sinclair Lewis book that we're going to talk about later. Um, It can't happen here. And so when David and I started, we were starting the podcast, I said, you know, at some point I really would like to do this book and we kind of just kind of get pushing it along and couldn't figure out what movie to do with it because there are so many different, you know, options but I think this actually ended up working out perfectly because of the whole aesthetic it has going back to the like 1940s um, fascist era. Uh, and then, I mean, and with the, some of the clothing, just s- subtle you know, attention to detail and all the aesthetic, bringing back that imagery, the propaganda posters and everything, totally goes with, you know, (laughs)
4: it's
0: just, I don't know, it has a a modern feel about it, you know, but it is very distinctly uh, retro. Yeah, and I've always liked that about this movie. Um, And and I, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing anyway, and I think that's, I mean, all the time, but <laughs> I think that's part of why I like Terry Gilliam films. I mean, I, have, I haven't seen everything he's done, um, but...
1: He's done, what, 20 movies? 18, t- 20 movies?
0: Yeah, something like that. Um, X, do you know?
3: I think it's more like six or seven is it (laughs) really well let's see um okay time bandits i know he did i don't think he directed jabberwocky i think that was terry jones Uh,
0: credits on imdb is director
3: okay so like brazil fisher king baron munchausen
1: Mm -hmm. meaning of Um, life
3: Meaning of Life, which was a co-direct with Terry Jones, Tideland, and I guess the man who killed Don Quixote is coming out eventually.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, co-directed Holy Grail with Terry Jones.
3: Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, he hasn't done as much as, you know, he should by rights, but he's also had a lot of interesting problems finding financing too so.
0: well right exactly exactly because this is really a, such a a distinct vision visually but just the entire story and commentary on <laughs> bureaucracy I mean that's yeah I I don't know I I I was messaging uh Darren the other day about this and i work at a corporate job i have for about 15 years um i worked in other slightly different kinds of corporate environment but this is one very specific one And I also work on the 30th floor. (laughs) So when I was watching the movie and they have like the 30th floor, like he keeps going back up there for the, you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, his, his horrible corporate life is my horrible corporate life. And they just moved us into this space. And you know what? Um, his desk in there might have been bigger than mine. Like, I don't know if I have three feet of office space at this point. I mean, it's it's bad. Yeah. Oh. It, it, I just sense that you're jammed into, like, a, a cog in the machine and getting lost in that. You know, I, I don't... I, I'm going to try to keep all of this to an... Exist, you know, so I won't go on to an existential breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> About my, my sensibility in that environment, but, um, cause I'm not that person, you know, I just, uh, for whatever reason, my desire to, uh, and need to pay rent and have health insurance has kept me there. You know, <laughs> that's a lot of jobs or that situation.
3: I think one of the real stars of this movie is the brutalist style of architecture that Gilliam uses. Um, Yeah. Very small offices, desks that go through walls. It's like Mm -hmm. concrete container living where you can lift up somebody's entire house with a crane, (laughs) transport it somewhere else, and it's all connected by ducts (laughs) and hoses and wires. And just those structures provide this kind of stark. difference between you know the haves and the have-nots and it's an almost subliminal reason for the domestic terrorism that you see in this film that struggle is real because you're living inside of it think 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 watts in the 70s think cabrini green you know so yeah just the very look of the film is designed to be oppressive i mean at the end when that when when sam is you know having his moment with michael palin it literally looks like he's inside of an abandoned nuclear reactor
4: <laughs> yeah
0: or a grain elevator
3: yeah it is just gray, yeah. gray 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 and every and you know there's well, a lot so of- much
0: even the costumes have these different shades of gray like it's it's all very complex and subtle but you see it with the architecture too you're right
1: well the
3: shoe hats and a lot of things are, are the shoe hat. Oh
4: my god!
0: Oh my god! The, the shoe hats, the Katherine Hellman, the leopard print shoe hat. <laughs> um, on that Reddit, that red, orange like cartoon hair, is the I love that image. Like that's that. Oh, it's beautiful. It makes uh, yeah. Specifically, like the costumer, and me, very, very happy. Because I, well, those are also very fun type projects to work on, in my opinion. Um, have, I, like have, I see a movie like this, and hats? I'm like, "What?
3: Have you made shoe
4: hats?"
0: Uh no, but I've made some other really crazy hats and headdresses before. Right. Um, when I worked in theater, and for me, those were that. And I, when I see movies like this that have these different. Um, like all the different things like uh, Jonathan Price's kind of like his dream like armor and uh, <laughs> angel wings that he kind of has like that's a I l- always love working on those type costumes and you can see so much loving care was put into all of that like and,
4: ahead, and you, I'm sorry.
0: You, you, but you're right you can see it with the architecture in there too and like the sets
3: I think the technical term for shoe hats is actually shats, but <laughs> probably, probably shouldn't get into that.
1: <laughs> That's a different also kind of like film a, with shat on that.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> exactly. most of, the, there's a lot of shots that are underlit too. So you've got this brutalist architecture, you've got the strange costumery, but you've also got a real film noir feel to right. this movie too. And you know, he's filling with dutch angles everything is always <laughs> kind of off kilter and weird so between all of that and the 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 cobbled together almost 70s meets 50s technology and and oh my god can you just the damn japanese baby masks
1: oh.
3: <laughs> straight, dude straight from the from the video for for, for the walk by the cure Yes, and, and they're just everywhere in this movie, and it freaks me out. So yeah, there's. A, <laughs> it is designed to unsettle you visually, which I think psychologically gets you ready for the message that's actually being brought through in the story.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't. I don't. It, and the. Um, what was I... Hold on. I had a note here that I was, I'm trying to find it. Go ahead. You guys talk amongst
1: (laughs) yourselves. I I was just going to say somewhere around the point in the movie where we were last talking, one of my favorite of the propaganda posters shows up where what suspicion breeds confidence. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) I was was just going to talk about, I was just going to say something about the propaganda posters.
1: Oh, they're wonderful
0: oh my god, they're fantastic. And I really got looking at a lot of propaganda posters when we started the podcast, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we wanted the retro, like, look and and feel with the name or whatever in the song. And so I was looking at, so all the propaganda posters that appeared in this movie were just fantastic. Like, loose talk is noose talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and they have it. actually Hanging, hang down, and information is the key to prosperity. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> happiness, we're all in it together.
0: Yeah, it's
1: and, and it's like those. Yeah, from the forties, we had what the the one that always comes to my mind first is that when you ride alone, you ride with Hitler. About power yeah. sharing, right? Uh, but. Yeah.
3: <laughs> my favorite poster in the whole movie is the one where where the kids are playing they don't play cops and robbers they play ministry of information and citizens <laughs> but they're in front of a poster for top security holiday camps oh yes
0: exactly <laughs> i love that
3: luxury without fear fun without suspicion relaxed in a panic-free atmosphere and the picture of the place it's like fucking air <laughs> it is just out in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by a fence, <laughs> with an air patrol circling around.
0: In it. I know, I I know. I saw that, and I just and I st- had to like stop. I was like, I got to reread that. That is too funny. It, <laughs> yeah, it's I. It had been a long time since I'd seen this movie, and um, I, I I mean I've always enjoyed it, but uh, I you know there were definitely certain things you catch more, you see them and that, you know, all the different little things like that. Um,
1: <laughs> I love when they're trying to get rid of the check. The, get rid of the, what? the refund
4: check for the guy who's,
1: who's like, Oh, she doesn't have a bank account. Well, I might as well go and hang myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> The, like, I've never had a real office job. The only office I've ever had a job in was at the folklore department at college. So, and that was exactly what you would think the folklore department was, (laughs) you know, and they used to share an office with the medieval studies department. So, I mean, there was people walking around with pieces of armor and, you know, old books and, you know. Mountain, mountain recollections of medicine, magic. And so it was very casual, you'd say. Um, so, and since it was a university job, they weren't very bureaucratic. There was like, yep, go, you know, every, it'll get paid for whatever. So, yeah, this is all sort of through other people's eyes, but it's what I imagine an office job would look like.
0: So far X. off. Yeah. I ask X, have you ever had um, an office job?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I <laughs> the, the last time I had an office job, I had a, a small breakdown and I haven't been able to go back to an office for, I don't know, about eight years now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, so I'm not I'm not f- I'm not for it. Let's say
0: <laughs> it's soul crushing. It's soul crushing.
3: I don't like it. I can't do it. It is, however, where I and I may have told this story on other shows, but indulge me because it's it's actually kind of funny. Of this okay. is where I that this is where I got my name is from that horrible soul sucking office job when I worked at this place. And, you know, they're they're putting in all of your information. Well, my real middle initial is W. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. But at this place, they had my middle initial as <laughs> X. So like, my login was all JXM, some number, I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't remember what the hell it was. So it was like, you know, this is actually a way cooler middle initial than what I actually have.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: and so, and so it just stuck. People at work just started calling me X. And then that's been pretty much my entire name ever since. Just eponymous, just, that's yeah. not the right word. But, you know, I have, <laughs> a, I have a one letter name and that's how people know me. Like Madonna or Cher.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that's that's good, and they were one letter off.
3: Uh huh. Which so. buttle tuttle?
0: Yep. Exactly. Well, and I I love the the whole thing of the government doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> the government doesn't make mistakes. I mean, how many how many times do they say that in this movie? Or I mean, or you know, even in just. Different I, the entire attitude of no, we couldn't possibly be wrong. <laughs> you know, it's
1: uh, where's his body? Oh, oh <laughs> look at the TV. <laughs> I sure yeah. we don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, some of, some of the dialogue is great in this.
1: <sighs>
0: Where I mean, the, you know, and they're talking about like the sense of bureaucracy and in the system uh like you're basically the government just sees you at as you know your record in their computer system well when Lowry's is trying to decide how to hide um the girl i can't remember her name off the top of my head why not jill that, jill thank you um uh, i was blanking for a minute um the you know the fact that he goes in and just puts in the sets it up in the computer so it looks like she's dead. Yeah. You know what I mean, and then it's like, oh, okay, she's she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and the government—that's the solution for them to stop looking for. And you see that in this world that Gilliam's constructed. Yeah, that would probably work. <laughs> like, like that would take care of that. But I mean going to the funny dialogue the jill's response that when lowry is essentially you know tells her that he's fixed the situation she's like and you know killed her (laughs) how about necrophilia i mean like (laughs) like, that's the invitation (laughs) to have sex
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was was a heck of a lot
0: yeah exactly
1: it was was uh when one of the early bombings somebody's like well won't you do something about these terrorists it's like it's my lunch hour and it's not my department right (laughs) right uh, yeah (laughs) and the the uh, maybe i'm just thinking of the the crimson permanent assurance of (laughs) Which I'm pretty sure the music that's used in that is on yes! one of the things that the boss is watching on TV, yeah?
3: I was going to bring it up. It was during that Western that they're all watching.
1: Yeah, it's it's like the imploding, crushing weight of bureaucracy and the... I don't Terry Gilliam's, like... What? Britishness or view of the the British inclination to acquiesce to, like, structure?
3: He was the only American in the Python troop, so he always approaches everything he does with that view of the outsider.
1: That's, yeah, it, it seemed like he's like, this is kind of, like, um. he didn't direct A Fish Called Wanda, right? He didn't have anything to do with that.
3: No, he Just, did not.
1: Oh, okay. Then never mind, I was going to draw off some like it seems that he has that like you said the outsider the like this is well, i think I, I
3: i think you see that a lot in the symbol of the giant which is very prevalent in gilliam's work you, i mean you've got the giant who comes up out of the ocean with the ship on his head and time <laughs> bandits and um, Robin Williams' character Perry in The Fisher King has this giant on horseback that represents his personal demons, his his mental issues, and the things like that. They always place Gilliam clearly in the court of the little man who is fighting against impossible odds. Uh, it's a very proletariat viewpoint. I mean, look at Sam; his last name is Lowry. If you <laughs> read it, you know, just yeah. as it is. So. Yeah, coming from the place of the low man, the little guy, and I've always loved that about Gilliam's work.
1: Yeah, he even had a that s- second of giant imagery in this with the guy looking over the nuclear reactor's model.
3: Right. Well, and the, and the giant, the 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 samurai guy. Samurai. Oh, I'm
0: yeah. Just gonna say that.
3: You know, and and every time Sam has that little flying dream where, you know, there's the earth itself tries to attack him or the samurai warrior is trying to swat him down. I just think, oh, look, there's my writing career.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, I bought one of your books on Amazon the other day, by the way. Did you? I did.
3: Thank you for contributing to the cause.
0: Yeah, I've I've <laughs> bought one of your books before too.
1: I haven't read it yet, to be, I, yeah. but but I was working on this. This was one of the longest. Well, actually, this this is the longest thing I've ever read for a show. The book that we'll get into later. That's 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 fair.
0: Um, yeah, Darren, just be glad... again. Be glad you didn't have to read the black metal one, which was like five hundred something pages.
1: Oof, that yeah, that would have been a. a and tough even though task. this
0: this one was just you know shy of a four hundred, it was it was definitely dense <laughs> material. <laughs> so yeah. yes, X, I haven't I know I got one of your books too, and I haven't read it yet either. I have to say, That's okay.
3: <laughs> you you could just stare at it and treasure it. Just be like, <laughs> ah. I know I, I, I now have this. I know
0: that guy yeah, well I, w- I will get to it. <laughs> uh, no, I will get to it. I I have yeah. There's so many books I'm trying to get to. <laughs> I'm trying to get better about my reading and yeah. This this show's actually been good about that, but
3: can we talk for a second about Michael Palin okay, playing anyway. super effectively against type?
1: Oh Yes, please. Yeah. He yeah. he
3: is a malicious son of a bitch in this movie
1: yeah cold
3: and calculating and murderous and he is great he is the perfect embodiment of bureaucracy at its worst he is comfortable with both red tape and the red red groovy you know he's read like the seven habits of highly effective people just (laughs) over and over again he's got the calendar and screensavers and he is just scum and he steals everything Scene he's in the yes. sequence where he has taken his daughter to work.
4: Oh. <laughs> oh my god!
3: And he walks in. He's got blood all over his smock, and he's just like, oh hello. Oh. and he can't remember her name. Yeah, <laughs> she keeps going. No, I'm Holly, and he's like, oh whatever. That's actually Terry yeah, Gilliam's exactly. daughter. <laughs> <What> was it? <that? laughs> yeah. Who's really named Holly? So that's very funny to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is so good so good in this I, I mean he's always been one of my well I I don't even want to parse him out I like the Monty Python guys
3: uh, yeah <laughs> and you see Palin and you think oh okay good I am com- I know his face I know his voice I'm comfortable with him here comes the comic relief <laughs>
1: nope here comes a baby mask and
3: <laughs> Here comes, here comes death. How you doing? Yeah, <laughs> which is funny
1: because my how time they're, flies.
3: There, when you look at Brazil, the, the movie, not the country as a whole, <laughs> um, there's there's no joy in this movie. There are very few moments of joy. I mean, you get Sam's daydreams, you know, where he's flying around like a. Blue Aladdin saying Angel, and that's fine, (laughs) but to to me, I think the only the only shot that I thought was really seemed like spontaneous and joyful was that really quick glimpse you see of those workers in their full-on fire suits playing volleyball in front of the blast furnaces. I thought that was interesting, and that seemed like something that would actually happen, but everything else... Good God. Every attempt to find just a glimmer of joy or happiness in this movie is squashed just from jump street. This is not an easy watch.
0: Well, and then aside from, you know, the, the dreams, what seemed to be the reality Of, you know, happy, you know, happy moments in Lowry's life or whatever that he has, maybe with Jill or whatever. You have to wonder, are they actually happening? I mean, is he, you know, is he, where is he in his level of sanity at that point? You know, is he's, he's not a particularly reliable narrator. We, we find, you know, like like,
1: has the whole thing taken place while he's in the chair or.
0: Yes. So, so where, at what point does he crack? You know, I mean, in in you know actual reality, whatever reality is. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's a it's a very interesting way to start. You know, once you start, well, maybe it happened here, maybe it happened there. It uh, there are a lot of different ways to see that, and I, I I that's one thing I've always enjoyed about this movie. I have to say,
3: I think you know, and again, I'm not, I'm really not trying to pimp my writing or anything but i think (laughs) when you are when you are a writer or when you have creative tendencies you you encounter times where you do retreat into your imagination now sam um ends up staying there exactly because it's the only safe place and that's not a shock and it and it really shouldn't be but you know this that makes sense to me we create Worlds in our head brains, and those worlds tend to intrude upon the so-called real world. You know, they merge, and that only sounds crazy if it's never happened to you. But they're, yeah, it's it's safe in your head, and that's 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 where that's your escape. That's just where you go.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think uh, R.J. McCready. I I posted in uh, the Legion page in the VD po- po- uh, VD clinic podcast page asking for people to share their bureaucratic horror hell stories and i don't think anybody filled out the proper requisition forms because we got (laughs) we got one response and it was from rj mccready who uh as we record this is i think hunting dracula in transylvania um he just said that he thinks that he heard Terry Gilliam say that the whole movie is a nightmare. In uh, one of the extras. Uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I cracked open the uh, the Criterion Blu-ray, which I, I just bought myself. I was, and uh, I, I haven't watched any of the extras yet. And so I, I think I'm probably going to do that tonight. And maybe I'll let you guys know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You're lucky. <Noah. laughs> now,
3: did he mean a real nightmare, as in the entire thing is a dream, or just a nightmare like, oh, dystopian nightmare, or oh, concrete nightmare? I,
1: I think he was saying that uh, it was all fabricated in his mind while he's in the chair. Maybe. well,
0: f- from well to fuck. To <laughs> from beginning to end.
1: That's, that's what he believes he heard. And maybe when we, when we delve into the, the extras, we might find out. Of course, you never know with Terry Gilliam. He oh, might have just, just been go... talking about making the movie was a nightmare.
0: Yeah, that too.
2: I'm just going to go sit
3: in the tub and slice open a vein. And God.
0: Ugh. No, I know he had a lot of issues with the studio uh, getting this released how he wanted it.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, because it was 1985, and you were looking at Ferris Bueller being a big hit, and all of a sudden (laughs) he's like, hey, look what I made.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Exactly.
3: However, I do like it when Bob Hoskins and Brian Pringle show up to fix the heat, because it's like (laughs) Hoskins is practicing for Super Mario.
0: Uh, Yeah. Especially (laughs) when you look at his costume that hat! That hat would be unbelievable. Bill! Those are strokes of genius. They're so just bananas.
1: Sorry. It's that I'm whole, it's that whole for paperwork.
3: Force. It's that perspective thing. It's like that gag in Top Secret where you can see the phone ringing in the foreground and the Nazi's uh. behind his and he walks towards the phone to pick it up. And when he does, the phone is just huge.
0: Yeah.
3: It's that messing with your visual perspective that really makes this movie unsettling.
1: Yeah. That's another movie I I love. Some Val Kilmer's best work.
3: I just I can't comprehend how Gilliam made this movie for fifteen million dollars and have it look as good as it did. You couldn't do, do that. that now. No. You could spend like you could spend like a 120, on this and it would not look as good as it does.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm,
1: yeah, I think it's, he knows how to s- stretch a, well, it was made in America, right? So stretch a dollar. I don't have to say he stretched a pound.
0: Um, I think some of it yeah. was made in the UK, maybe. It, it
3: feels like a Pinewood movie, but gosh, let's, let's, let's check. It's not like we don't <laughs> have
0: The IMDB have like... is always up, you know.
3: Yeah, it's a shame we don't have a source of information about movies. So it's just right here at our fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: I think it's U.S. and U.K.
0: Yeah, there you go. But I love that we're all like, okay, I gotta look now.
1: I'm like, okay, okay. Film in Brazil. Okay, you can find it first. <laughs> But yeah, this this movie is just it. It had also been a long time for me, and you know, I it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel too long. But it still takes up that much time to watch, right? You know, so I don't get around to rewatching it as often as some of the other things. And uh, <laughs> since,
3: filmed filmed in the UK and France. By oh, the way, no U.S. filming.
1: No U.S. Okay, well. He there you go. How to, he knows how to stretch a Frank. <laughs> and, uh, well, cause what he didn't, somebody's wife knit all the chain mail for Holy Grail. Like one of the, the guy's wives <laughs> and her friends. It, a, it, it just seemed like he's, he has a good DIY ethic. that uh, came from his early days. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, I, I'm not too learned about Gilliam as, as, you know, as a fan of his movies, that's pretty much all I know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, he it, it fills the screen too. I mean, he always does that in all his movies. He just totally fills the frame. And right. Right. Yeah. Everything,
0: everything, is a, a feast for the eyes. Just as far as the, the composition, you know, and just, like, the colors, everything.
1: All the ducts everywhere.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The rich people have fancy ducts. And...
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Pneumatic tubes coming out of everything. Pneumatic
0: tubes, right. <laughs>
1: But yeah, that desk that you pull back and forth between through the wall and uh, teeny tiny screens with magnifying glasses on them. Everything that's supposed to make your life better is so much more complicated. Right. Right. Uh, I, I loved when Tuttle filled up uh, Super Mario's spacesuit with <laughs> no. toilet no. juice.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, was,
3: that was nice. <laughs> I think that's really when uh, Sam understood that it's fun to try to beat the system because he laughed really hard at that.
4: Right,
0: right.
3: And that's kind of when you thought, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this subversive action I keep hearing so much about.
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, and, it, and, and, and it goes, I mean, and it really, you know, examines like, what exactly? What exactly is subversive with the government? You know, just because you're labeled subversive, what does that actually mean? What are you doing? To I mean, is it just because you talk, you know, about certain things or disagree with their ideas, or are you blowing things up? You know, or in some
3: cases, are you just existing?
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly yeah that's um are you of a certain economic means like it really definitely i mean the the kind of interjection you know on classism in this uh you know it's the haves and have-nots of course but uh it's it's well, all about the political pull too <laughs> because are you like an old mother. white guy well yeah exactly yeah, but, you know, the fact that Lowry's mother is friendly or potentially romantic friendly with whatever high up minister of information guy and.
1: Oh, right, with her photo on his desk.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Maybe it's uh, his dad. I forget. Did they say anything about his dad in the movie? No. No. Hmm. I, I love how the maitre d starts to push him away at the restaurant she's like you recognize my son don't you I'm like yeah yes yeah, sir yeah it's, it's very very divided and i mean the 80s were <laughs> like that too i guess it's always like that i mean <laughs> i didn't There's- vote for you <laughs> not my king. <laughs> You know what? There's a weird
3: and I just remember this. There's a um there's an old skit from Flying Circus that kind of echoes that where the two women one of the women is talking about her son and how he's grown and how how cute he is and it's John Cleese and he's, like, he's an adult. And they're talking about him like he's a child and he's like, Mother, I'm the spokesman for the Ministry of Finance And she's like, Oh, isn't that
4: cute? Yeah.
3: So, so yeah, I mean debilitated with no definite mommy issues, it doesn't want the um promotion that she's been that she's managed to obtain for him through who knows how, even though we can guess. Right. So he's he's Sam is really pulled in a lot of directions by things that he feels he cannot control and once he starts to take control of his own life that's what counts as subversive behavior in that society and that's uh, depressing a (laughs) lot and I'd like to retreat into my own head and not think about that
0: (laughs) yeah it's um, I I know it's a hard one that it's just would he have been happier just to Stay as is, you know, and just exist without the promotion or without, you know, going on this whole trying to fix, you know, a wrongful, you know, a wrongful conviction, essentially, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or, you know, whatever paperwork mistake would he have been, would that have fixed his situation and is or is his situation better for him to you know, make the choice for himself and or try to go, you know, even try to use this connection that his mother has obtained, you know, to, you know, do something that potentially could be positive, you know, and freeing Jill or well, finding out more information about her. But also, I, I feel like he's he's trying to correct more wrongs. You know, just like, okay, I'll infiltrate the upper echelons. Um, although, I mean, he's completely inept at it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because, again, he's not... Well, when does his break in sanity happen? Uh, <laughs> has it right, happened? right. You know, it, 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 it all... It does that. Is he completely sane at that point, and this leads to his ineptitude? Puts him in a situation that just leads to him breaking completely. I, I mean, it's, I don't know if the question is answered. And there's, some, f- there's something
3: to be said for trying to subvert the system from within the system.
0: Oh, but it, absolutely.
3: But yeah, it doesn't work out real well here.
0: <laughs> no, I'm all for that. Actually, <laughs> if you can do that and have something good come out of it right on. <laughs> 'Cause sometimes that that's part of what needs to be done in addition to people staying completely outside the system. You gotta get it from both sides. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> just my uh just my thoughts.
1: <laughs> hey, well you've been inside the bureaucracy.
0: Don't remind me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so here's something.
1: Go ahead. ahead, ahead. I was just going to say, have you got a 27B stroke six? (laughs) Is that the form they're always asking for? I hate those.
0: (laughs) It's like the TPS reports in office space. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to say, which was probably going to be a lot better than that?
3: I was going to say that, you know, I actually did see this when it came out in the theater back in 85 and, At that time, they were really marketing it as a comedy, a a very dark comedy, but still. It was like, oh, come see this. This is really funny. Um, Lots of sardonic humor and that typical Gilliam imagery with the distorted faces. That's funny. And things are moving that shouldn't be able to move. Like, why is there a whole, why is the elevator moving sideways? And why does it look like a double-decker bus? So... And all that. And then you could see, like, there was this almost mythological sense of conflict, you know, between when, because in the preview, of course, you can see Sam flying around and trying to whack people with his tiny little dagger. <laughs> yeah. That, that sounded weird. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, back then, this was like, oh, this is funny. Okay. We get it. It's socially conscious, but it's a comedy. You know what? It's not funny anymore. No. It's not funny, it's terrifying i mean it's 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 fun to see Robert de Niro move around the city on a on a zip line
0: <laughs> oh absolutely,
3: but uh, you know from a certain perspective, this may as well have been broadcast from the future by the Brotherhood of sleep, so <laughs> this yeah, absolutely not funny anymore,
1: yeah, it's joined uh
0: it's a far better that- movie
1: than *Idiocracy*, but like *Idiocracy*.
0: But do you? But do you think that's seeing it now, like as an adult, compared to seeing it when you first saw it and when it came out in the theaters? Like just where you are at, in your age and life, or do you think it's the world around you, or both?
3: Well, remember when this when this came out? I was in high school and Reagan was president. Yeah, I know. Ugh.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly.
3: So I already felt dirty. Uh,
0: (laughs) We were all filthy then. (laughs) Oh
3: God. So, um, you get more jaded the older you get. So that's that's probably a reason why I don't find a whole lot of humor in this movie anymore. And also, just being me, I'm like, wow, this is way better than that. 1984 adaptation for that they cut the Eurythmics song out of.
4: Yeah. Which
3: actually, (laughs) when I saw that in the theater, they played the song, but just over a blank black screen. What? Why? How did? I don't understand that agreement. (laughs) But no, you, you you look at a movie like this now, and you just think, okay, this this really feels like a documentary. You you learn more about how the system works and what it does to you know crush people under its tank tread of alleged progress and yeah it's just it's it's awful.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it can. It's a little bleak. Um, just a, just just a tad. Just a little bleak. <laughs> Like I said, I i mean, it's, I started looking at it and, you know, not only just looking at how, okay, politics, whatever work, uh, different things, like I was saying, board of elections, go to the DMV, anything like that that you have to deal with as an adult, <laughs> you know, you see more and more complexities of red tape and annoyances and just, general bullshit um but when I started when I was watching this and I was there were just certain things about it that I was like that's my job that's like (laughs) I was yeah that's really bleak when you're just like yeah that's kind of how I'm looking at my daily this is my I gotta go to work now I gotta sit in my teeny tiny office you know Table space, whatever. I got to fill out all these correct forms, uh, which I do, <laughs> <laughs> um, as part of my job. I have very specific forms I have to fill out for things like it. You know, it's just, <sighs> yeah. It, it it's it's great, you know, and yeah, you could sit there. I could sit there and laugh at certain things still because it's just the way it's written. Um, but. Yeah, not a lot of humor, and I it, I don't remember it being quite this humorless. So I th- yeah, I think I'm just less, <laughs> I'm not less humorous, but that I used to be. I still find joy and humor and things, but not in this film. Well, I you mean, know what I mean. Uh, yeah, not as much as I used to. <laughs> for, for better, or
1: worse. for better or worse, you said sorry. I didn't mean to jump yeah. on you.
0: Yeah, for better or worse.
1: I mean, the last time I saw this movie uh you know Donald Trump was some idiot in New York you know that had a failed football league <laughs> the world was a little bit made a bit more sense <laughs> not to get melodramatic but you know like <laughs> that'll sort of take a lot of a lot of wind out of a lot of sails um <laughs> it was still a still a lot of horrible things going on but uh yeah I, yeah, I but, you.
0: and you weren't seeing this resurgence of like the white supremacist, like fascist thinking, you know, and people having to punch Nazis in streets. <laughs> like, <laughs> I
3: don't know, man. We had Nazi punks.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. They had to fuck Skinheads off.
3: Skinheads who'd show up, to, right? Skinheads who'd show up to matinees and just try to hurt everybody. Oh, assholes.
0: really? Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, but we didn't ha- it didn't seem to be to the degree that it is now. Where uh, they had po- with political power.
1: <laughs> Open
3: political Nazi power. The Nazi pox of sure. the 80s yeah. are the white supremacist leaders of the day.
0: Yeah.
1: They all got suits and jobs in the Trump administration. Yep. Stephen Miller, I'm sure well, he's only 30 something. So he wasn't there in the 80s, but he was... He knows who 80. Swerve Driver is. You can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's... He fills up uh, Trump's iPod with uh, <laughs> a bunch of that stuff while he's watching Fox and Friends.
3: Good morning, sir. Do you enjoy Nitzer or Ebb?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, a moment of silence for a cold shutter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry no I mean it's February we're talking about bureaucracy and fascism but I repeat myself
0: because yeah this Uh, isn't just a movie about bureaucracy there is a definite fascist aspect here
1: yeah and then especially when we move further on and get into the book um, which, which is even more focused that way but yeah there's The, I mean, the ministry of, it's very Orwellian, and I know that's on purpose.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of nods to Orwell in this, as far as, like, different, like, way things were numbered or, like, references to things in, you know, novels and that, whatever else, like, from Orwell. So, not just 1984, but... So it's, I I think it was a, I don't know if maybe that was part of what affected people seeing it in the theater too, is 1984 had come out, that movie, Mm -hmm. you know, right around the same time. Did people want to see another kind of dystopian future? I don't know.
3: Well, the thing that Brazil had going for it was you didn't have to see John Hurt's dick.
1: <laughs> that was on the first poster, right?
3: <laughs> it was. That was the first poster. <laughs> Big yeah. Brother is watching you.
0: Yikes.
1: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I know we're all kind of bummed out right now. Yeah. But, um, any- so,
3: so okay, so so let's see if there's anything positive that we can take from Brazil because I think there is.
0: Yeah, and I think. I, I wanted to. Yeah, let's try to direct it back to something positive before we start to wrap things up. I I can't end on a down note talking about this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think if anything. Brazil serves as both a warning and a reminder that there are forces out there, people out there, who don't give a fuck about your dreams or your freedom to pursue them. And it is your right, and it is your duty and your responsibility to resist those people.
0: Very eloquently
1: put. Yes. 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 See...
0: That's why we brought you on here, Rex. <laughs> <Is it?
3: laughs> oh, thought it was just for the dick jokes. Oh
0: well. Well, you know, that's a bonus that's double a bonus. package.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a full package. Sure. No pun intended on that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh come on! You intended the pun. <laughs> it
1: maybe admitted. maybe a little bit. Okay. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I'm I'm I still really like the movie. I mean, I I like some movies that make me feel bad.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, and this it, and this doesn't bring you down to the level of feeling bad as say like watching something like Requiem for a Dream, but <laughs> you know where you're like, oh god, <laughs> yeah. everything is shit. I don't want to get out of bed for a month. You know, fill
1: <laughs> it all with fire.
0: Right. Yeah. This at least does. It's like not the even...
3: only thing in color in Schindler's List.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think i think it's there is some sort of sense of hope in here in resistance but uh it is a yeah definitely cautionary tale and and uh yeah everything x said that's <laughs> that, was, that was a very good way to put it <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was, that was the, uh, that was the cap on that.
3: My work here is done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, let's see. What were you going to so, say? Uh, what? I said, uh, as you were saying.
0: Um, so would you recommend this, uh, X? Oh, Sure.
3: Yeah, I would recommend this. Um, I think it would be interesting to see how right now this movie plays uh, down divided party lines. You know? Yeah. It's, I'm sure you'd have one side going, oh, well, that's unfortunate, but that's, that's just the way things need to be. <laughs> <laughs> and the other side just like, I'm going to burn you down. <laughs> I'm going to burn down your house. Um, So, yeah, I totally recommend this. Um, If for nothing else, the the thought that, you know, fascism never leads to good things unless you count revolution against fascism. And even so, that's something that you never really see come to full triumphant fruition in Brazil. So, yeah, don't know don't go in looking for you know puppies and rainbows but it's definitely worth watching
0: yeah uh darren
1: oh easily and especially to any any fan of his other movies i think this you know if you've got a day you can watch two of his movies maybe three (laughs) um i think yeah exactly i we've been saying this a lot but like like x said yeah. You know. <laughs> if you especially if you're prepared for it because uh, <laughs> I think like the second time I ever watched this I had forgotten the ending and so when they're driving away in the in the truck after the daring escape and uh, they're driving away into the sunset bordered by billboards it's like oh okay wait I don't remember it ending so happy oh it doesn't <laughs> 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 Oops! Well, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's the parents exploding with the toaster oven. It's you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, dude, dude.
1: <laughs> what about you, Vanessa? Uh,
0: yeah, I would rec- definitely recommend it. Um, but again, I I would have to point out it's a dark comedy it you know that it's not necessarily it's not even though it's got these different elements and people from monty python it's not silly you know and uh and i know but i you know i i i don't i i i've had i guess i've had most of my friends have seen this already and we're all on the same page there yeah but uh interestingly enough but um Yeah, definite recommend. Definite recommend. Although, again, I have to point out it's scary in this day and age.
1: (laughs) Don't watch it after you've had a stressful day and you need to wind down. Right. (laughs) Put on Time Bandits or something.
0: Yeah, put on something sillier like Baron Munchausen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which those uh, Baron Munchausen and Time Bandits were supposedly linked to this in some sort of mental trilogy
0: yeah that's what i i read that on imdb
1: the trilogy of imagination i think it said on there yeah but i don't know that's some bullshit (laughs) i don't even know how you update imdb but i assume it's like updating wikipedia like everybody can do it
0: well, I mean, if you're, I mean, there are people like if you have your own profile on there, you can, you have to, there's like a security access if you like can alter it as far as like adding different things to a resume. But there's a certain amount, I guess, that other people can add. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's not
1: the happiest of those three movies. <laughs> oh,
0: agreed. Agreed. Oh. Okay, well, um, X, thank you for coming on. Um, would you like to tell everybody what you've got going on? I mean, you know, you are retiring now from podcasting, at least maybe temporarily or for good, whatever. I. We'll
3: see. I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, yep, quitting forever. And then I come back, you know, the next year, like Peyton Manning. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> but... You can still listen to uh, some shows that I'm on, which would include Kiss the Goat and The Food Chain, Cinema Beef Podcast, Theme Warriors. Um, I'm doing some guest spots this last month that I'm going to be active. so Uh, You'll still be able to find my voice pretty much anywhere. But I'll be on Facebook. Find me there. Find me on Twitter. Um, I have... I'm, I'm really bad about giving links just hey go look i like that chick on the match.com commercials come and find me and i feel so bad for her because you know what there are probably people stalking that chick right now and she has no idea just uh that that commercial <laughs> freaks me out come and find me yeah i'm coming baby
0: <laughs> I, I know i know
3: oh it just gives me chills i don't like it but, but, anyway. you'll,
0: but you'll still be writing
3: Yeah, I'm still writing. I'm working on uh, a new novel right now, which is the sequel to Hunting Witches, so hopefully that will be out mm, summer? Okay. Depends on how fast I can write. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I'll be around doing stuff. I'll pop up, so... Not a stranger, just not as active.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. Well, I mean, we were, yeah. (laughs) I wanted to make sure we got you on here before, you know, just Uh, And you know
3: what? I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I mean, a lot of people have listened to me babble on one show or another for the last, Jesus, seven years. So I appreciate everybody who's ever had me on as a guest and, you know, including especially you, so.
0: Well, and you've had Darren and I on uh, separately. And it was fun, wasn't it? It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yes. Kingdom of the Spiders made one of my top, my top five for last year. <laughs> for, <laughs> first time watches, yeah.
3: <laughs> good. Well, good. We've all had good times, and we can go back and relive those through <laughs> internet archives. Um, unless, and this is just a possibility, unless I'm actually sitting in a chair with a cager on my face inside of a nuclear reactor.
0: Okay. Well, there you go.
1: Still buy his book, if that's the case. (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) Make my fantasy complete. (laughs) Yes,
0: Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you. And um, Darren and I will be back next to discuss the book. Thanks. I'm Cootie.
2: My name is X. And I'm Chef Al. And we're your hosts on the Kiss the Goat podcast.
0: On our show, we're going to break down some of your favorite devil movies from the past 50 years. We also drink and talk
3: about
2: religion.
0: Which is a terrible idea.
3: That is a great idea.
2: And I'm going to give you some great recipe ideas to go along with the movies that we've been watching.
3: We also answer questions from our listeners on every single
0: episode. And I also, frankly, discuss my sex life at really inappropriate times.
2: Ah! She does!
0: I do! It's the
2: thing!
3: (laughs) I tell terrible jokes, saying when I'm drunk!
2: And I haven't been paid yet! They said they would pay me, and they, uh. Kiss
3: the goat! Exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts!
2: Uh, seriously? Can I get some money?
0: Just do the job, Al!
1: Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho Semanticast.
2: Let us face, without panic, the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who
1: sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him.
2: The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump.
1: We talk about politics.
2: I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs.
1: We talk about movies.
2: You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment.
1: We talk about political movies.
2: We're in trouble. The whole
1: world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho-Semanticast. Also known as the psycho Podcast.
0: And we're back uh, to discuss... The, um, up to, I kept wanting to say Upton Sinclair. <laughs> I, knew I was going to do that. The Sinclair Lewis novel. It can't, it can't happen here. Yeah. I don't know. I had, I knew it was Sinclair Lewis and, um, I, I just, all of a sudden I was reading it. And I know I, I, I probably messaged you but I, at the moment when I realized it's written by Sinclair Lewis, not Upton Sinclair, which they were contemporaries, but
4: yeah. I, just,
0: I had like a total brain fart that or I was really stoned or something. And it was all <laughs> like, oh, shit.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I definitely was more was familiar with Upton Sinclair before I ever knew who Sinclair Lewis was.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, I haven't read a lot of either one, but um Yes, I knew the name of Sinclair before I knew Sinclair Lewis's name. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is the only thing by Sinclair Lewis I've ever read.
0: Um, Um, I think I read, like, short stories or something.
1: I guess that's true. I need to think back, because I, you know, as an English major (laughs) and literature and creative writing, I took a lot of classes but I definitely <laughs> feel like Upton Sinclair is more talked about.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I know. As an English major, the, I definitely heard uh, Upton Sinclair before that. But anyway, Sinclair Lewis's It Can't Happen Here. I, I'm I going to give a I, – I wanted to find a synopsis of this because uh, there's so much we can – say about the story but okay (laughs) here's the wikipedia (laughs) condensed version (laughs) it can't happen here is a semi-satirical 1935 political novel by american author sinclair lewis and a 1936 play adapted from the novel by lewis and john c moffat published during the rise of fascism in europe the novel describes the rise of berzelius AKA Buzz, Windrup, a politician who, who beats Franklin Delano Roosevelt and is elected President of the United States after fomenting fear and promising drastic economic and social reforms while promoting a return to patriotism and traditional values. After his election, Windrup takes control of the government and imposes a plutocratic slash totalitarian rule with the help of a ruthless paramilitary force in the manner of Adolf Hitler and the SS. The novel's plot centers around a journalist, Doramus De- Jessup, in op- opposition to the new regime and his subsequent struggle against it as part of liberal rebellion. Reviewers at the time and literary critics ever since have emphasized the connection with Louisiana politician Huey Long, who was preparing to run for president in the 1936 election when he was assassinated in 1935, just prior to the novel's publication. So, I don't know. Some of these uh, little things in that description sound familiar to uh, a
1: <laughs>
0: potential person we have in power right now in the United States.
1: er eerily so eerily so and uh, (laughs) as you were saying earlier that a bunch of people started talking about the book during the last presidential election
0: uh, yeah and that's why it, it what first put you know put it on my radar um and oh my goodness it's there are just so many things in here that could, the descriptions of Windrup when he's running and then when he's president—it's—it it, could—it could be just talking about Trump. It, Ah, just even like their casual lines in there about talking about like, oh, his wife is. Just, I mean, basically the way they describe him and his relationship with his wife in public, and hers like first lady, like <laughs> like little. They'll make a casual comment in the book about it, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it's Melania. <laughs> Poor Melania. It might as well be her. Like, um, blink
1: twice, Melania. Yeah. Blink twice, Mrs. Windrip.
0: Yeah. Exactly um you know but it, there's just a the whole platform of the the whole platform that wow there's just so much here <laughs> in this book and um what got me the um we're going to I I I mean I don't I don't want to rant too much politically but I, I, there are just so many parallels you can draw t- towards the to things going on now yeah. and this, because when they are talking about Windrup campaigning, and he comes up with like this fifteen-point plan, or or uh, what do they call it—the fifteen points of victory for the forgotten men—and mm. it's and it's just so many of the things that are in there could be taken from a Trump make America great again speech.
1: Yeah. Like his 20, I think he had 20 points or 20 promises of what he would do in the first hundred days. And
0: right. Right.
1: The corpo government.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and the fact that Wintrip once he's elected, sets up, sets up, well, or inspires, but sets up, you know, yeah. the lines are blurred. This paramilitary group called the Minutemen, like, mm. hello, like, we've got these groups running around the borders here in the United States now, you know, anti-immigration groups, the Minutemen, um, mm. <laughs> like...
1: The the Nazi, the, the, the khaki, the khaki uh, uniform.
0: Oh, right. It's just so many things, like little details. You're like, I could be watching CNN and see that today. I mean, we're not in the extreme place that the book takes us to. But (laughs) (laughs) not to remain on a bleak note after our Brazil discussion, they're just, it's like you could see us, we're not many steps away. You know, it's a cautionary tale of we're going to go down that. We we can't go down that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. uh, Like he keeps repeating at the end of so many parts. It was like, oh, no, can't happen here. And then it just each little step each, you know, it's eerie. It it was I think that's part of why it took me longer than usual to get through this book, which is about what, 400, 450 pages.
0: Um, I think my copy was like three eighty five or something,
1: Oh, okay, so yeah, uh.
0: it wasn't the biggest of print though I will say that um, <laughs> uh, it, well, yeah, and it was just there's it's really dense with information. I mean, you follow the main character, um the journalist, dermus Jessup, it you know, and it's how he ends up. I mean, it's just you might as well be saying fake news like, think, <laughs> like the stuff that's being thrown at like his his little newspaper that he's got going and you know and how it's like he has to start suppressing that and then he starts a- an underground newspaper and
1: the Vermont Vigilance, or was that the Vigilance? Not uh, this, Yeah,
0: yeah yeah yeah, Vermont Villagens. But, and they, you know, and, and he ends up that, I mean, it was written in 1935, and there was that anti-communist sentiment here in the United States at that time. Mm. And they really talk about it in this book. And, you you know, the fact that once he starts realizing these different things of, Okay, I'm not totally there, but it's the communists. They have a lot of good points and why they're opposing the government, you know, and different things. And they're willing to, you know, put their lives or whatever on the line. Like, I need to, I guess, step up. Like, he's just kind of realizes he can't sit there. It's that level of resistance with, like, Brazil. We were talking about Lowry, you know, realizes something has to be done.
1: Yeah. uh, uh, What? uh, Another, another person sort of, uh, well, sorry. Uh, (laughs) They've got some tongue tying names. Thank you. Um, but (laughs) yeah. So yeah, there's Doremus Jessup and Senator Trowbridge. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but the whole, it's, I mean, it's as bleak as it sounds. It just shows how easily it could happen if nobody cared. And that that's, I think, one of the things. Because everybody got swept up in the, oh, we're going to get $5,000 a year and America yeah, will be great again.
0: Exactly. It's totally what it is. Um, Totally what it is. and And, and it's not... There are moments where it's it's got this darker humor about it, you know. So it's not it's not as bleak as it could have been.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it definitely. Even though it felt a little bit more realistic to me, mm-hmm. it didn't feel as bleak as something like Nineteen Eighty Four, which we've brought up already. Oh
0: no, no, absolutely you know, there, not. No. There's
1: I think the, the satirical bits to it really keep you going. And, um, it's, but there's just so much, it's like a avalanche of, you know, well, that how much is actually put in place to stop people from doing these things.
0: Right. Right. Well, and you know, it, these just things are talking about let's patrol the border let you, you know, it's let's control this tax, or you know that who has freedom to or access to this thing. It's, it, I, yeah, you can see them in so many dystopian stories. Um, but I, I don't know. This, you're right. This seems a lot more realistic, <laughs> and I think that's what makes it so terrifying. Because yeah. I, 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 I had moments where I went I would be reading it and I'd go back and forth between being angry and just kind of terrified. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Especially, again, when I realized that's a small, subtle thing, but shit, I can see that happening right now.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's, oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's so many, so many little things. It. It's a yeah, again it it does it is kind of dense when you're reading the book because there's just so many different ideas and it's compacted in there. Um, but it's um I kind of love that it's you have this person i mean when Windr- i mean a Jessup I means a pretty you know likable character you know, pulling you through the storyline and with his family and the paper or whatever they had going, but how different, how the government starts changing, how it affects him and his job, how it starts affecting his family and all the different members of the family. Like the fact that his older son ends up becoming like on the side of the fascists, you know, becoming a flunky for the the dictatorship. Meanwhile, his daughters <laughs> are like putting their one puts her like gets herself killed in like a suicide mission trying to destroy one of these fascist officers. You know, <laughs> oh,
1: was so badass though. But yeah, spoiler
0: That's... alert. But it you know. It, <laughs> But it's, it's like, they, they don't start out in those places at all. They're just people trying to live their daily lives. And every, it just, they see a little bit more every day going down this path of just shit's going wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you see how everybody is guided by different motivations, you know? I mean, his son fig- figured for himself that it was Either it fit more with his ideas or that it's easier to go along, you know, for some people, especially, I mean, he didn't, uh, you know, they're, one of the things that they were doing was, I mean, immediately after he came into power, he took away rights from like all the minorities, all the women and, uh, not, you know, immigrants and, uh, non like white guys, you know, like, like happens, um, (laughs) Right, so, and
0: then you put a, <laughs> and then you get start your concentration camps and put your political in, enemies in there,
1: yep, and you're protecting them, you know,
0: yeah, you're protecting the public- from those agitators, yeah, you know, and he's, you know, oh, I'm gonna protect all my friends who have money or you know or like who have this different position in the government, you know, whatever,
1: yeah, it's. It's pretty pretty spot on and I, yeah i I like that you threw in the spoiler alert because I think it's harder to assume that people have read a book or ha- you know have had enough time to read a book right than it is you know there are lots of people that probably haven't read this book and it's almost coming up on a hundred years old <laughs> and uh, well I guess it's closer to a hundred than seventy five but
0: exactly right and I mean it, it's you know I could have put said spoiler alert, alert beforehand but I think on this show we established long ago we don't give a shit but
1: <laughs> yeah and
0: <laughs> no I, I mean because you know it's I it, I know with books I I understand some people may not you know necessarily read them or it may take them a long time to read it but um even yeah even though with things like you you know Finding out something doesn't mean you can't go and enjoy it on your own. That's my kind of feeling on the spoiler alert situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you're listening, if you're this far into a discussion about a book and you haven't read it, then you're just yeah. listening for the fun of it and you don't care. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, that's totally fine too. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like The book has been out long enough that... <laughs>
1: We it's feel okay. no guilt, we feel less we feel guilt no about guilt. about this than you know maybe spoiling next month's book um,
0: <laughs> I think we know how that turned out though <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, yeah, it's just i i feel I feel like some of the especially when they were taking away you know working to remove voting rights and power and stuff from people right. you know, we we both read the news and pay attention. A lot, but there have def- there were definitely days, like you said, where I was reading a part of the book, and then you know I would be checking out what what had happened that day. I was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of this book I'm reading. It's, yeah, it's weird, and it doesn't always have to go that way. But things things that happen in the book happen in real life, yes. right?
0: <laughs> and pointing out the fact that it. You know, it could, it it doesn't have to take a long time to go down this horrible path and horrible and extreme path because the way it's described in the book, it's basically after, I mean, protests started the day of inauguration. I mean, they even have that in the book. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. You know, I just see, like, that's what I'm saying. You see so many people in this day and age who were not, uh, you know, who were not out on the streets protesting or whatever engaged or bare minimum um, until about a year ago. True. You know, and I, it's, it's, it's one thing that I just find so interesting about this book. And the fact of where they, how you see it, once it gets to its extreme point in the book, and they tell you how short of a t- period of time it's been, like you go, it goes on and tells you this whole story, but it wait, there's it, he waits Sinclair Lewis like waits this long time I think to say, like to mention the time frame mm-hmm. of all the government changes, so it's like all of a sudden like. Oh shit! It ha- hes barely even been in office a year, and all- and this is where he is. Yeah. Like, once you realize that, it's like, oh, oh man, it's much <laughs> more serious than you think. And, it's the the little changes can add up quickly, and people can be like everybody's complacent, you know, and all happy, and but once I mean they talk about in the book and, you know, see how people or maybe sup- that supported this candidate once that candidate's in office, this is where they've hit their point that they're disillusioned and you're seeing it, you know, you see it more and more. Yeah. Still, from-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Still has extreme support from the evangelical set. Uh, no matter, right. no matter what they've done. Right. People are being called liberal with that slur in the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> str- you know, yeah, stoking, stoking the flames, trying to drum up a war, right? To, to build popularity and consolidate power.
0: Yeah. Well, when they, like, you know, they were having the whole thing about patrolling the Canadian border. I was like, I was waiting for them to say, can we build a wall? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that, but.
1: (laughs) Back then people would have laughed and been taken straight out of the story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's just, you know, the lackeys getting put into place, deregulating everything to strip that sort of control, especially, you know, eliminating parts of the government that would keep his branch in check. It's right. Yeah. And
0: and granted in the book, you're seeing some of these things of promoting this person, you know, or keeping this person in this position. It takes place via means of murder. (laughs) You know, it's, it's it's not just, Oh, I know so-and-so it's, Oh, I'm going to kill off this person in this position and put so-and-so in it because so-and-so agrees with me. Yeah. yeah. We're uh, maybe not killing off people now. Um, not yet. Um, but <laughs> or, yeah. that we, or that we know of.
1: <laughs> yeah, as far as we know. Yeah, as far um, as we know. But yeah, what was there? There were at least two coups within the government.
0: Yeah, it's, um, which makes you wonder, okay, put it in today's perspective. Will there be a coup or will there not? I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, it, I was a little shocked. Yeah. I, I There's not a lot of things that he... I mean, it, there's been a lot of, oh, Jesus, he really... But I was really shocked when he went after the press. Yeah. The FBI, the CIA. <laughs> yeah. All at once. You know, usually you need one yeah. of them. One. <laughs> right. Um. So it's it's just so bizarre it's and then i mean i'm sure there i i would imagine more of the people in the military that share his views in our life aren't high ranking enough to do the stupid crazy things that he wants to have done there are some john kelly's a piece of shit you know he's right. he's nativist and he's anti-immigrant nativist. anti-immigrant Um, but it, yeah, I don't know. It's so many parallels. Like you said, I don't know if the military will help him do any coups or or help, you know.
0: (laughs) Right. And we're not at the level, thankfully of, you know, we're thankfully we're not at the level of violence that this book portrays.
1: Not yet, but still it's on the rise.
0: Right. Right. And, or even these vigilante groups, which in the book, wasn't the, the Minutemen or whatever, weren't they, didn't they start out as a volunteer, like, dang it, it wasn't like an organized military thing?
1: Correct. It they just,
0: just started on their own. It was like a militia.
1: Rabid supporters.
0: Hate group. Yeah. 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 So what's to say that's kind of, well, yeah, you're right. It's happening now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With his support, they gain power and, you know, uh. They were unrestricted by the normal mechanisms of the bureaucracy slash government that... I mean, a lot of it is run with the understanding that people will do what has been done. There isn't as much in place to force adherence.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, you know, it's... Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's entertaining and sh- uh, frightening. Yeah. Uh, and there have always been the... I, I think... Yeah, this was written during during the rise of Hitler. And that's well, the, the, already blueprint, concentration the blueprint. Camps.
0: There are already concentration camps in uh, Germany at this time.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, America was still being America first, which we've been hearing again, which is what uh, originally from the KKK. Right.
0: But this was written before we got into the war.
1: Yeah. So it's. um, And at a
0: time where we were kind of complacent in some things, maybe,
1: maybe just a little. (laughs) Quite possibly. I I forget. You know, we hadn't, uh, we hadn't started our own concentration camp for our japanese citizens yet at this point but right that's coming there right. were what that giant nazi rally at madison square garden had happened or was gonna happen soon it right was you know just yeah. just as uh just as possible back then and i think that's was that thing from was it Nietzsche or i don't know how to pronounce his name not sounding like a dumb american Nietzsche. Nietzsche, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that Rusty Cole took for um, True Detective, that time is a flat circle. It just ke- keeps happening with little differences. And um, I think that's one of the things that I liked about this book was that it showed you that w- of more people will have a tendency, I think, to resist that sort of bullshit than... Eventually, you know, it's easy to whip people up into a frenzy with a lot of false promises, but.
0: Right. Which is one thing I found interesting about the book, which I'm like, oh, my God, that's so much fucking Trump <laughs> where they de- where Jessup describes early on while it's still he's still campaigning that this guy can talk and whip people up into a crowd. And then when he's finished talking, you have no idea what he said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just like oh my god it's so fucking true like
1: (laughs) if if i didn't know that he doesn't read i would have thought that uh trump had read this book but
0: (laughs) right right
1: (laughs) maybe he listened to the audiobook
0: Uh, cliff
1: notes (laughs) oh yeah that's it's the blue it's the blueprint it's like the um i was just talking about this the other day uh the the dead zone uh stilson mm-hmm. yeah you know he's the type of guy that would show up in a limousine and put on a hard hat and say he's a man of the people <laughs> you right know, it's
0: <laughs> right yeah i uh and you know it's um what i had a i had another point i was gonna make but i can't remember what it was i'm doing good today i really am Um, hey
1: you i think this has been a hell of of a show if i don't say so myself
0: the the board of elections sat me out this morning (laughs) it really did um a few hours of that that's always fun on a saturday um (laughs) which you know it, they I was I I found it interesting actually that the, in the book they didn't bring up anything like I mean they did have the thing about like voting rights being taken taken away you know and and different things like that but I felt like I mean it's it could have been an opportunity to question about questionable voting ethics and you know that kind of thing could have been thrown in there too but I don't think that I don't know that that what the, I guess it was was it the prevalence of like the twenties and thirties, when there were like in Chicago you would find all these dead people voting and it was a real problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Or like gangs in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I want to say it was like the twenties and thirties. It was it they started uncovering a lot of you know, corruption and corrupt voting going on, and so. I was just thought, I mean, I guess it depends on when that actually happened. I don't know my specific history on that. Um, but as far as timeline goes, but yeah, they, you know, it's, there's just, yeah, get elected on that Make America Great promise. That's it. I can't say it any other way. <laughs> it's, really, it's just, it's very eerie. It's very eerie.
1: Yeah. A guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Tells everybody a bunch of stuff that he's not really ever going to do. Right. Gets elected. um, Has a corporate government. Uh, He doesn't like the newspapers. Thinks that anybody that doesn't like him is a traitor. Right. Got a bunch of crazy, violent people that want to... Wear the same color clip, put on some khakis, and you know, march through the streets with tiki torches. I mean,
0: <laughs> and in honor his name, yeah, and his vision, quote
1: unquote oh. vision. And, you know, people are f- very divided. It's not like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's creepy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's. I get it's. It's more. It's a word that has more weight than creepy, but you know, it's just every time you think about something, some other part of it, it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um,
0: I don't know. There's it, it, like I said, it's, there's just so much in there and I, I don't think that I think it would behoove someone to read it rather than for us to go on a million years about like every single little uh, minutia with some of it, you know, but
1: yeah, the book describes that self better than we do. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that but, is for sure.
0: Because I mean, it's just constructing this whole elaborate world like, Gilliam did with Brazil
4: mm.
0: you know to bring it back to that it's just that you know it's that in you can see in, in the way it's written it, you can see it in your head it's I mean it's very it has a very visual sensibility without being like o- overly descriptive kind of like pretty flowery words you know i mean like it's not that kind of it's not that kind of writing style it's not flowery language Mm -hmm. but it's very like visually descriptive i you know you just get the sense i mean of this the vision of it
1: yeah that's done very well because i think over description can muddle it in your in your mind too because i i recently reread american psycho I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know why I have read it more than once, but you know some yeah. of the parts. And I know it's on purpose to sort of show the consumerism and the everything of Patrick Bateman. But when he talks right. for two pages about a shirt, I don't care. You could just <laughs>
0: you know. right. And but and I mean and with that book, the character. It's it it gives you a full image of what that character is. So there is a purpose behind it. Yeah. Um. However, <laughs> not necessary all the time. And sometimes you, there's something to be said about you know condensing. You know, maybe instead of two pages, it could have been one. It could have been just as effective.
1: Yeah, and and in this, you know, it really and
0: it, it's yeah, you don't have that here.
1: Yeah, it keeps the story going. It keeps it about the actions. It keeps it about the people. You know, you see the world, but it's the world isn't as much of a focus as the people within it. Right. You right. know. It, it's background like it should be in this kind of story. And um I've got a digital copy of it and I've got the audiobook. The audiobook's pretty good. Oh uh, yeah,
0: who who uh, narrated it?
1: Uh, I couldn't tell you. Oh, I can tell you, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I I'm still not very uh, knowledgeable of the different famous audiobook readers. I know there's some that are like you know stars. In well, the...
0: I, I I mean, I didn't know if it was like oh, as read by James Earl Jones or oh. something. You know what I mean? Like something like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's somebody called Grover Gardner. Okay. Yeah, it's not like Jim Dale who did all those Harry po- Harry Potter books or, you know, oh, I love that Sir Ian McKellen did uh, The Odyssey. Yeah, no, it's, no. it's it's not like that.
0: See, I, I'm not an audiobook person, but mm-hmm. I suppose if I found the right person with the right voice, I might get into it. Like, I could listen to Ian McKellen read The Odyssey. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Bruce Campbell reads all his audiobooks. So it's just well, like you're listening to him talk for a couple hours.
0: Well, something like that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I wish Christopher Lee did. So, you know, there's those dream voices that you would just hear do anything. Right. Ron Perlman. I, I, I wish right. he would do some stuff like that, but, um, sorry. Sidetrack. Sidetrack. <laughs> That's more common over, over on the psychosemantic podcast. Here, we've got a plan.
0: No, we don't. (laughs) And if you came on board thinking that, you are sadly mistaken, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Have you listened to our shows?
1: All right, I quit.
0: You've been on our shows. (laughs) You know this.
1: It was a pleasure being my first and last uh, non-guest appearance (laughs) co-host. We'll find somebody else uh, whose name starts with a D that uh yeah no (laughs) i thrive on chaos in in this sense i it's a i i've never been one that writes a outline i that was my least favorite thing to do in a writing process or is to know what i was going to talk about beforehand
0: well i i kind of feel that You can go step by step through something. I mean, I I am perfectly, I am perfectly capable of being, of doing that. However, I, sometimes you need to just have the conversation about overall or just here and there and how, you know, different moments. That's sometimes that's a way to better express how you feel about, you know, a, (laughs) a book or movie like. Yeah, so that's why I don't necessarily adhere to that. Plus, yeah, just I think uh, my brain works better the random thoughts. But yeah,
1: (laughs) well, and you know, with Brazil, it's it's kind of hard. I mean, in a way, it is and isn't kind of hard to fall to do a Terry Gilliam movie in the traditional movie review structure. I mean, it can be done by people that are better than me, but it is a fluid, flowing creature. Every time I watch one of his movies, you notice something different. You pick up on right. a, another one of the thousand threads that he's laid through there for anybody to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and as you unravel one, even if you've unraveled that from beginning to end, once you get to the end of that, you might it might... Stick about another thread that's unraveled, and then you have to go back and trace where that began. Yeah. You know, they kind of like, oh, yeah, that, wait, that wasn't that part, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. Oh, they're coming uh, for you.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, you heard the uh, sirens. No, that was the uh, fire department. Not Not me, thankfully.
1: Now, oh, send over uh, Bob Hoskins to. <laughs> <laughs> you said it was an emergency. Um.
0: So, is there anything else you want to say about the book?
1: I, I mean, we could we could have talked about this for a couple minutes, or we could go on for another hour. I think anybody that's listening right now that hasn't read the book if you're listening right now, you should, you would enjoy it. Um, obviously you've made it this far with us, but, um, it's kind of hard to describe that world until you see it. And we're seeing some of it now. So maybe, uh, use the study aid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. What about, what about you?
0: Well, it's funny. Um, Yeah, I think it's because there's there's such this visionary world that's laid out. It is easier to read the book than to say everything about it. And I don't want the you know I I didn't want this necessarily our discussion about this book to turn into an incredible political rant. Which I mean, obviously, I knew it's inevitable. There's some ranting we've done, and that's fine. Yeah, (laughs) but I didn't want this to turn into you know an extreme political rant about. (laughs) what's going on right now and all these different things. And, <laughs> but I will say since I started reading this book last month, I have already recommended it to five people <laughs> <laughs> like that I personally know, like, Oh my God, you've got to go read this. <laughs> and two have already picked it up nice. and are, and they've come back to me and they're like, Oh my God, you're just, yeah, they're, they're like, you're so right. So, <laughs> It's yeah, and people who aren't even as you know far left as my politics are saying you know saying that and reading it. You know that (laughs) makes me that makes me feel a little bit better. Like okay, it's not just me over here. Like (laughs) right, someone who's a little bit more central. You know
1: (laughs) that that is good to hear because I definitely am largely surrounded by people as kooky as i
0: right <laughs> yeah that's so i i would say that's a good gauge as far as the book goes
1: yeah there's something in it for anybody that lives in america and pays attention to politics at all no matter which you know which strand you uh generally tug on there's right. a, a pretty good representation of the way politics have been and the way they could be.
0: Yeah. Okay. And at that, we'll end our discussion of, uh, it can't happen here. (laughs) Yay.
1: (laughs) We'll be back with something much more bright and.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. So next month I'm excited about this one because this will be a nice reading break for me. Um, which I've already read a third of the book, but nice. it is both the movie and book of my friend Dahmer. So yep. nice. That's a cheerful subject. <laughs>
1: yeah. Serial killers. Uh, they've got a lower body count than politicians.
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, we will definitely talk more about that, but I'm super stoked that you are down to do this.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited about that one because actually, um, I had seen excerpts from the book and for like different points, but I never picked it up
4: mm-hmm.
0: until you suggested it. And I had I've actually I saw the film um, in the theater a few months ago, and actually I'm excited to rewatch it. So, yeah, <laughs> spoiler, I'm, I'm... spoiler, enjoyed the movie. <laughs>
1: spoiler alert yes not to bury the lead
0: yeah not to bury the lead exactly <laughs> but it's it definitely uh gave me a lot less uh it got me a lot less depressed and anxious than than uh reading this one yeah
1: <laughs> that's why it's funny to say we're gonna do something more uplifting next time we're <laughs> gonna talk about a serial killer
0: life affirming <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with us
1: oh we'll find out
0: although i'm a huge true crime fanatic so (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Yeah. and you know this this all happened about an hour and a half north of where i live right now and we'll get into more about it in the store but yeah jeffrey Dahmer's from ohio yep so is the guy that made the comic book
0: so okay well, is there anything else you would like to say before we
1: head um, out? I would say thanks for giving me a shot at this. And I understand if you don't call me back now, <laughs> um, <laughs> to everybody that's listening, I will get more acclimated to, uh, I'm getting better every day. Don't worry about it. If you didn't like me this much this time, uh, I'm not trying to replace now. <laughs> I'm not trying to replace your David. I love
0: that speech you gave on the last episode where I'm not <laughs> trying to replace David. Like the whole stepfather speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but no, this, this was a blast. Uh, you can f- come find us on uh, our Facebook. Look, look, up, look up the Facebook group. Find us on Twitter. Um, is it VD clinic pod on Twitter? Yes. And look up VD Clinic Podcast in groups on Facebook, and you'll find us. We're in uh, the Legion Podcast Network. If you feel like more politics, and sometimes even more Vanessa, come check out the (laughs) Psycho-Semantic Podcast. Um, Look that up on Facebook. It's a pretty active group, too. Also on Legion Podcast Network. I was
4: going to say, yeah. (laughs) Um, Legion.
1: Yeah, but no, I, I... I'm going to go do more uplifting things today and I hope you all do the same.
0: Yeah. And, and Darren, thank you so much. I'm of course, wonderful to have you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for joining me. I, uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to this. This, this was fun. Even for a bleak, to use the word today, (laughs) a bleak topic is this. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i think we, we had some fun with it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we you gotta laugh at if at the fascists or they win
0: right yeah uh, okay yeah
1: they're like bogarts so, that way yeah or bogarts true. or however you say it yeah <laughs> humphrey bogarts
0: okay yeah. say goodbye darren
1: <laughs> bye darren sorry
0: <laughs> bye Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VDClinicPod or reach us via email at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more.